Hey everyone, and welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my wife, as always, Liberty. We're a married couple with different hobbies, and we try to bring each other into our interest by discussing the latest news in both books and sports. And boy, are you in for a doozy of a sports episode today because of our little vacation. Well, it also feels really weird to be doing this again, despite the fact it's only been two weeks since we last recorded. A lot of things have happened. I know that both Liberty and I are like, let's just stay on the main things that have happened while we were gone, because otherwise you guys would kill us. I would kill us. Editing, that would be a nightmare. Yeah. But getting straight into it, we, of course, have the Stanley Cup playoffs that have started. And I think by the time this episode airs, a couple of the series might be finished. Yeah. Because we're pretty close. Right now in the West, we've got Colorado leading the Blues 3-0 to zero in that series, which, yes, get rid of them. I'm excited. They could literally clinch today while we're recording, yeah. so... And then you've got the Vegas series with Minnesota. They're leading three to one. They're clinch opportunities tomorrow night. Yes. So Monday. So mm-hmm. in the north, they're a little further behind. You've got Toronto and Montreal, which are tied one to one. You've got the Winnipeg Jets leading two zero in their series with the Oilers. And then in the central, you've got Carolina leading Nashville two to one, which no one should be surprised by. And then you've got Tampa Bay leading Florida 3-1, to one, which, again, no one should be surprised. I would disagree with that sentiment. I know they're the defending champions, and they're finally healthy, so maybe we should have expected them I to mean, play better. But I know at the end they weren't doing great, but at the same time, they didn't have everyone. They weren't fully healthy, so like I feel like it shouldn't be a surprise. I don't know. I guess I kind of disagree a little bit. but I think you just like their staff over at Florida. I think they have good players, they have good depth, they just don't seem to be clicking on all cylinders all of a sudden, which is just kind of weird. And then in the one that I don't want to talk about, because my series is currently tied 2-2, Penguins and Islanders. Boy, we're going to talk about it a little bit today. Are we? Can we not? Yep, we're going to talk just a little bit about it. You said we cannot. We can, and we're going to. And then you have Boston leading the Caps 3-1 in that series. And they could clinch today as well. So, yes. I'm not a fan of Boston. Or the so. Caps. Well, true. But I especially <laughs> don't like Boston. Right. So, like, I would rather the Caps go in and then whoever plays the Caps knock out the Caps. I can tell you right now most of the world would disagree with you just because of the Tom Wilson stunt at the end of the regular season. So, I think true. most of the world is rooting against the Caps as it would be currently. Well, I don't want the Caps to get further than the second round. Yeah. But we also had... A player who had surgery this past week, Jonathan Quick, had shoulder surgery. The LA Kings fully expect him to be back next season. The surgery was to repair wear and tear that he sustained over the years in the league. I shouldn't be surprised because he's been around forever. He has. Quick has been around for a very, very long time. So, And it doesn't seem like he's losing his quickness either. So, You worked real hard on that one, I can tell. <laughs> I, I just... But... I think when you start having these, like, cleanup surgeries, that's when you should start thinking about leaving whatever sport you're in. At the same time, you're making a lot of money and you don't have a lot of time to make a lot of money, so. Right. But in a cute bit of news that happened while we were gone, the new guy for the Senators, Stutzel, got his first hat trick. And so the neighborhood kids decided to 
throw a bunch of hats over the fence at him for getting his hat trick. So I really love this story. So the neighbor of Stetzel invited over all the neighborhood kids because in Canada right now, well, was before, at least during this time, because the Canadians can have fans now. But previous to that, there were no fans allowed in any of the Canadian or Canada team games, so any yeah. of the North League games. So when he scored his hat trick, there was literally nobody but the people that normally are there for, like, practices and, like, board meetings for the teams really present. So the neighbor of Stetzel had all the kids over and had them bring a bunch of hats and to throw them over the fence at him while he was on his porch. And yeah. Properly social distancing, so like. Well, the kids weren't social distancing. No, but but yeah, they were from him. Yes, it was very cute. It's a very cute video, and it went on way longer than I expected because they had a million hats and were just throwing at them. There were more hats than there were kids. Yes. Yeah. And in the video, it cuts after they finish throwing the hats, but apparently. Stetzel and a couple other players stood on their balcony so they could take photos of him after the fact. So that was very sweet. Yeah. But as we know, he was the number three draft pick in the 2020 NHL draft. And then, of course, he's in what would be a foreign country for him, living away from his family and a pandemic. So it's just a very sweet thing to do for him. But in not-so-sweet news, David Quinn was fired as coach of the New York Rangers during our break. As of yet, there's no replacement that's been announced. Quinn was originally hired May 23rd, 2018, and he is the third NHL coach removed since the regular season has ended. It was announced on Sunday that John Tortorella would not return to the Columbus Blue Jackets and that Rick Toche would not be back with the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, the the one that hurt me the most, I think, was the torts side of things. Like, the way the Rangers performed in the back half of the season, I completely understand why they were going to fire Quinn. Like, it's just... It's not the players. They Their roster is stacked. There's literally no reason they should not be competing every single night. Considering that he's been with the team for only three years, and given everything that's happened in the past year and a half, like, maybe give the dude a little bit of time? Like, I've... I hate that sports do this where it's like we're going to hire them and a couple years later fire them because they didn't have a quick enough turnaround or whatever. And it just, it's frustrating. Yeah. Like maybe let the dude try to do his job before you go and fire him. Yeah. So staying on the head coaching thing, uh, obviously the Sabres parted way with their head coach in like the last two thirds of the season as well. So it just seemed to be the year of not keeping head coaches. I mean, it's what we like to call firing season at this point, where basically if you were sort of on the border with your job, if you haven't made it into the playoffs, you're getting fired. Yeah. And after the playoffs are over, you're going to have more firings of people who like, we should have gotten further or whatever. So now you have to lose your job. Yeah. On the positive note, I guess, for uh, Rick Toshe is... Basically, the Sabres, they started their interviewing process to replace their head coach already. They started it this week. So uh, on that list, Rick Toshe, the ex-head coach of the Arizona Coyotes. You also have Bruce Boudreaux. The last time he coached was when he was termed during last season, uh, the 2019-20 season. He was there for the wild for four seasons. And then you also have their interim head coach, Don Granato, who's been coaching since like the last third of the season for 
for Buffalo. So we'll see if they announce somebody this week. That's what everybody's expecting. So maybe we'll have the first head coach hiring of the season, which would be exciting, I guess, during the offseason times. You know what's exciting during the offseason? Nothing, because it's not Literally hockey. nothing. Yeah. Literally nothing is exciting during the offseason. It's just all bad things. Hirings, trades, drafts, expansion drafts this year. That's going to be the worst. But speaking of expansion drafts, the Seattle Kraken have acquired their first player by coming to an agreement with free agent center Luke Henman on a three-year entry-level contract. The 21-year-old will participate in rookie camp with the Kraken. I'm sad you took that thunder from me because I had that whole article written down right here in my notes. But that's it's exciting, you know, to sign your first player. Do well, people start buying his jersey? Like, Please don't. <laughs> like, you could have so many other better well-known players if you're going to go and have to get the first jersey for the team. I don't know. It's kind of like one of those first moments, like the first comment on a video or something like that. Be like, first... Don't be that guy. <laughs> Please wait and get one of your favorite players if you're going to get a Kraken jersey. Right. Because God knows they're going to take your favorites. <laughs> Not usually speaking. They'll take some people that you love. but I mean, the Knights got Flower from my team, and he was one of my favorites. So don't say it can't happen. You had three starting goalies at the time, so like... And Flower was my favorite of our three starting goalies. Well... So... <laughs> The irony is that the franchise protected Murray, and then Murray ends up with the Sens now. So it's yep. like, well, that's a thing. But then I also have some trophies that have been awarded, and you might need to clarify some of these for me because I don't think I know what all of them are. I just know what it said in the article. Okay. So the Vegas Golden Knights have won the William M. Jennings Trophy for allowing the fewest goals in the NHL this season. Goalies Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard combined for seven shutouts and helped the Golden Knights allow 124 goals. The New York Islanders were second in this category, allowing only 128 goals. So did you want to know what the qualifications are for that? No. Okay. I don't have a question about this one. Oh, okay. Well, you should. Makes a lot of sense. It's not quite that simple. So the reason that there's two goalies, it's not because of that. You have to play a minimum of 17 games to even qualify to be on the trophy list. So the fact that both players played 17 games and the team had the least amount of goals scored was the reason they won the award. That's really not confusing. Well, it's just an added minimum they have to make to be qualifying for it, but yeah. But on to your next one. Well, it's not like you're going to have zero goalies who play 17 games. That's usually not how hockey works. Well, yeah, no matter what, you're going to have a goalie. The thing is, it's not commonly given out to two goalies. Mm -hmm. So that's what was interesting about it. My understanding is it's given to the team, and then whichever goalie qualifies is put on the trophy. Right. But the Colorado Avalanche won the President's Trophy, which is awarded to the team with the best record in the NHL regular season. The Avalanche were 39-13-4 with 82 points to finish the season. When it comes to points, though, they actually tied with the Golden Knights, and it came down to how you break it down after the points to determine which one actually won the President's Trophy. Correct. It's the first time, I think, in like a decade that's happened, so it's pretty interesting. And Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs led the NHL with 41 goals to win the Rocket Richard Trophy. 
It's a Rocket Richard trophy, but it says yes. Richard. But all uh, right. I understand, but it's French Canadian, so he scored eight more goals than Connor McDavid of the Edmonton Oilers, who was second. But don't feel too bad for Connor McDavid because he won the Art Ross Trophy as the leading scorer in the NHL this season. The Edmonton Oilers center scored 105 points in 56 games. Which is absolute insanity. Yes. It's just crazy the pace that he was scoring this year, like or assisting for that matter. I mean, it mostly seems to be from assist. Yeah. But either way, it's still insane. But those were the only trophies I had so far. I'm the, sure more will be coming. Those are the only awards and trophies that have been given out so far. Um, the NHL did announce that they're not giving out conference-based trophies, which makes complete and utter sense. Do you want to do division-based trophies? They're not. So you get your divisional banner. I asked banner. if you wanted them to. No, I don't. But then we come up on suspensions because it's the playoffs apparently and that's how that works. Also, there are fines. First, there was Sam Bennett, who was suspended one game by the NHL Department of Player Safety. And he did not play for the Florida Panthers in Game 2 of the Stanley Cup first round against the Tampa Bay Lightning. The forward was disciplined for boarding Lightning forward Blake Coleman. That's got to hurt. It wasn't as ugly as everybody made it out to be, but it was still... Still boarding. Boarding, boarding is boarding. <laughs> it's really not. It a doesn't good, have to be ugly boarding it's to not, get it's someone not suspended. A, yeah, it's not a good look no matter what. But it wasn't like, man, that was so on purpose. Like he was truly trying to hurt that guy. So it was like, okay, I get it. You have to give a suspension, but like you didn't give one to Tom Wilson for what he did, and that was way, way worse. So I feel like this might be the reason that they're doing more fines than suspensions. It's possible they're getting so much crap about the Tom Wilson one. I think the biggest one this week, though, was the Nazim Kadri hit. Yeah, the Colorado Avalanche forward Nazim Kadri has been suspended for eight games for an illegal check to the head of St. Louis Blues defenseman Justin Falk during Game 2 of the team's first-round series in Colorado. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a pretty hit. Like, th- this one was ugly, without, yeah. a, without a doubt. So, uh, on top of that, Nazim Kadri's kind of always been an instigator in Stuff like that, so. Well, if he has a history, I don't blame them for doing it. Yeah. But if the term of the suspension is not fully served during the 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs, I think it will be, but there's a chance it won't be. The remaining games will be served at the beginning of the 21-22 regular season, so it just carries over. Right. And then you have Carolina Hurricanes forward Jordan Stahl, who has been fined $5,000, which is the maximum allowable under the current CBA. For a dangerous trip against Nashville Predators for Luke Coonan. Coonan, yeah. During game three of the team's first round series in Nashville on Friday, May 21st. I didn't see the video for this one, so I don't know how bad it was, but... I mean, if you trip someone, you usually don't get fined. Yeah. And they called it a dangerous trip in the article I read, so I feel like it's got to be real bad. Yeah, like he had to go out of his way to get catch the fine. Yeah. And the other fine I have is that Washington Capitals forward Anthony Mantha has been fined $5,000. Let's all say this next part. The maximum allowable under the current CBA. I was waiting for it. For goaltender interference against Tuka Rask of the Boston Bruins during game four of the team's first round series in Boston on Friday, May 21st. I'm going to get t-shirts made with that saying on it. Under the current. (laughs) Maximum amount under the current CBA agreement. Even though the A is the agreement. (laughs) It's kind of like calling an ATM machine. 
even though it's automated teller machine. Similar. We also had UC Jokinen retire from professional hockey on Wednesday, May 19th. The 38-year-old forward played for nine NHL teams in 13 seasons and has spent the last three seasons with Karpat in Liga, which is the top professional league in Finland, which is his home country, so I don't blame him for going back there for his last three seasons. Right. I watched him when he played for Dallas, but he also played in Pittsburgh as well. Yeah. He played for about a third of the league, so he's probably played on your team. He hasn't. Never made it to Chicago. He's probably played on the listeners' team. Yeah. And then this name I'm probably going to mess up because I mess up everyone's name. I'm excited. As long as you don't call him Robert Luongo, we should be all right. (laughs) So it is either Guy or Guy Lafleur. Guy Lafleur. Who is going to have his number retired by Quebec Major Junior Hockey League at the start of the 21-22 season. Okay. You had to dig for that story, I feel like. No, it was... Right up there on the NHL website. Really? Yes. So, obviously, he's already had his number retired in other places, but... Yes, yeah. The minor league teams are starting to retire. His number? Yeah. Okay. I'm just sitting here waiting for you to talk about your favorite goalie that you were talking about earlier. This week it was announced that he's going to be participating in his 15th straight playoff season, which we did You're not welcome. talk about last time, so... You're welcome. Yeah. Most of that happened in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Marc-Andre Fleury, the beautiful flower that is goalie. He's doing pretty well in Vegas, so like I'm kind of glad that he made the move since I felt like he was stalling out in Pittsburgh. But at the same time, like I love him and I love him as a person, so I didn't want him to leave, but yeah. he had to leave. And then you also forgot one of the worst injuries of the week. I did not forget that. I don't want to think about that. That makes me feel like I'm going to vomit. So uh, Tavares for the Maple Leafs, will be out two weeks with a knee injury. uh, As well as under concussion protocols at the moment. Correct, yeah. Uh, So the first contact was a knee-on-knee hit, which was a penalty. Yeah. And then you had Corey Perry coming back down the ice the other direction, trying to avoid him, like legitimately. Very obviously tried to avoid him. Yeah, he lifted his knee higher than I think I've ever seen a hockey player lift their knee to try to avoid hitting someone. Maybe he should have gone down instead of up. I don't know that it would have been any better. I feel like it would have been like a more solid contact if like the chunk of his hamstring had hit him in the head. Like it could have been worse. But yeah. Are you saying hockey players have thick thighs? <laughs> I don't know. I guess in comparison to calling like, it a trunk. Would you? Would you rather? It's a trunk of a leg. Would you? Would you rather? <laughs> would you rather get hit by like the edge of a knee, like just kind of skimming past you, or would you rather get hit by like a solid leg, like an oak tree? I mean, either one sounds pretty bad. Yeah. And honestly, your knee is going to be, like, hard like a rock, not hard like a tree. Yeah. Either way, it's not a good choice. No. But it clearly wasn't blatant. I know that a lot of people at first came out and were like, oh, my God. And then slowly after they saw the replay, they're like, oh, yeah, he was definitely trying to get out of the way. So it sucks for Tavares. He's an amazing hockey player. Definitely a staple of that team, being the captain. Right, yeah. (laughs) But... And I feel like that was why they got into the fight later in the game. But at the same time, it's like it was accidental. Like, it's not like this person purposefully took out your captain. So maybe don't have a giant fight for no reason. Well, yeah, the knee on knee, it was borderline intentional. Like, he was reaching out there a little bit with his leg. But the knee to the head was completely unintentional. Corey Perry is an aggressive player, but he's he's not one to go out and 
try to injure somebody. That's never been his MO. Having watched him for years and years in Anaheim and then here in Dallas, it's just not really his thing. Like, he likes to get in your head, but he doesn't like to hurt you. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of been his his style of play for his entire career. So, Also, uh, Wild's Marcus Johansson uh, will be out for an unknown amount of time due to an injury that occurred during Game 3 against the Golden Knights when he stepped on the puck while driving to the net. Yeah. Um, he was injured during the fall while going into the goalpost, so he... He hit his head? No, his arm. He actually oh, okay. broke his arm in the process of sliding sideways into the net post. I mean, I guess that's better than breaking your head. Yeah. It's still not pretty, one way or the other. Just avoid the goalpost. You know, the puck is supposed to hit it to go in or away, but that's the only contact players should ever hope to hear on the post, so... And then there were a couple signings this week as well, um, beyond just the Kraken making their first one. The New Jersey Devils hired Megan Dugan as their new manager of player development. She is the former U.S. Women's National Hockey Team captain. Nice. So, yeah. She's getting moving on up in the world. So the Leafs signed goalie Eric Kalgren to a two-way, two-year contract. He previously played in the Swedish Hockey League for Vajo HC Hockey Club. I tried my best for that one. I probably butchered the city name, but, you know. Probably. Uh, the contract has an AAV of 750000 a year, though. Not bad for an entry contract. Right. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings have extended head coach Jeff Blazil's contract. However, they did part ways with their assistant coach, Dan Blisma. Is that right? He used to be the Penguins guy, right? Is that the way, right way to say his name? You're as close as you're going to get, probably. Okay. And then the Senators signed a two-year, $5 million extension with defenseman Artem Zub. But I thought it was an interesting last name, just Zub, Z-U-B. Yep. What is his nickname? Zubby? I don't know. Zubber? I'm hoping, Zubs? I'm hoping none of those. That's how you make a hockey nickname. I don't know why you wouldn't. Yeah. The 2021 NHL Draft Lottery has been scheduled for June 2nd. The 2021 NHL Draft Lottery will consist of two drawings. The first lottery draw will determine the club selecting first overall and the second lottery draw will determine the club selecting second overall. Participants in the draft lottery include the expansion Seattle Kraken, who begin play in the 21-22 season, and all clubs that did not qualify for the Stanley Cup playoffs. To accommodate the additional team in the draft lottery, the odds for all other participating teams have been reduced proportionally from the odds utilized in last year's draft lottery. The 2021 NHL draft will be held virtually over two days. Round one will take place on Friday, July 23rd, followed by rounds two through seven on Saturday, July 24th. My Blackhawks have a 2.7% chance of getting the first or second round pick, or you know, first or second pick of the draft, I should say. Stranger things have happened. It's true. Look at the Rangers last year. They had less than a double-digit percentage, and they got the first pick. So Yeah, and then they didn't make the playoffs. Because they have a crappy coach. Yeah. And that's why he was fired. Yes. Bringing it all back around for the NHL. <laughs> Correct. I thought the weird thing about the draft lottery is that they included the Arizona Coyotes at 3.1%, but they're not able to get any of the top five picks due to a penalty that they so are So if incurring. they get picked, they do a redraw. Yeah. Is their plan. Like, why would you include them? But I guess it's to maintain the, the percentages, percentages. Yeah. Which is stupid, but I feel like you could just insert a blank ball instead. Yeah. Be like, this was for the Coyotes, and it's in the trash. Which is basically what they do if they get drawn anyway. Right. 
And in the NFL, I don't have a ton of news, but we did get a lot of signings this past couple weeks. I tried to stay on the big ones and just kind of let everything else fall a little wayward. I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea what the big ones are in the NFL, so I just have a list. Exciting. (laughs) But starting off with player health, we have Broncos wide receiver Deshaun Hamilton, who has suffered an ACL tear. I don't believe the article stated what he was doing to get the ACL tear. I assume it was working out at home. He was away from the facility. That's weird. Well, I mean, not that weird in the time of COVID. It's not like the guy that hurt himself playing uh, video games the other day, last time in the MLB. And then Antonio Brown has undergone knee surgery. The procedure will require a few weeks of recovery before he can return to football activity. I think a few weeks is not enough time. Good old helmet guy. That's how I will always remember him. Yeah. He can work on his helmet punches instead of working on football plays. Possibly. But in other news, the 2021 NFL International Games have been scheduled. On Sunday, October 10th, New York Jets will play the Atlanta Falcons, and their game will start at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on the NFL Network. I'm sorry, that's too early for football. I mean, it's always too early for football, but, like, before noon is way too early for football. You should announce what the other game is because, honestly, the international games this year, the idea behind this is to grow fan base, but then they picked some of the worst teams to play in them. So the second game is a week later on October 17th. They have Miami Dolphins playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that will also start at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. Also not an enthralling game by any means. Both games are going to occur at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. They've hosted them before, so. Yeah. I'm not excited for those games. I don't know that I should be. Nobody is. Are these preseason games or are they regular season games taking place in London? They're regular season games taking place in London. So, like, you remember when we were in Chicago and the Bears were playing the Raiders in London? Yes. Yeah. It was miserable because you couldn't watch it anywhere. It's just a fun time for everyone. But, like, this year's particularly are just blasé games like yeah the idea behind these games is supposed to promote the nfl outside of the united states and it's like well i think part of this stems from the fact that they've recently released the 2021 schedule yeah and most of the hard-hitting like good games are happening at the back half of the season yeah and so it seems like they're loading all the good games to later, which means, of course, they're going to have the bad teams playing in the international game since that happens earlier on. It's true. I don't know why they had to load the schedule down like that. It seems a little weird because it should be based on schedules or some type of coordination, like coordinating who goes where, when, why, and how, and it shouldn't have anything to do with which are going to be the more watchable games, I guess you could call it. Yeah. I think they also might be trying to deal with the fact that they're less likely to have a lot of people in the stands early on anyway. Realistically in the UK right now, yeah. Because fan viewership is like very little in the stands right now over there. Well, even when they come back to the US for all those games, like you're more likely to have a full stadium, A, with a matchup people really want to see, but also B, when everyone's been vaccinated and they're allowed to go to games again. Right. So that might be the reasoning behind doing that, trying to make up for lost revenue, but I think that's a mistake. But as far as my signings go, I'll run through them really fast and then you could come in with ones that you might know that I don't. Okay. 
The Colts have signed LT Eric Fisher to a one-year $9.4 million deal. I don't know if that's an important person. Yeah. He's $9.4 million important. Yeah, it was a good contract. There's no doubt about it. I actually was about to write that one up, but I was like, I'm sure Liberty covered it. The Washington football team has signed LT Charles Leno to a one-year $5 million deal. I do have that one. That one hurts a little bit because he was with the Bears last season. Well, he's not important enough to be worth $9.4 million. No, a lot of our offensive linemen got smaller contracts. There's another one that's in there as well, so I'm waiting to hear you call him out too. Okay. The Detroit Lions and Penay Sewell have agreed to terms on a four-year deal for $24.1 million. It says it's a fully guaranteed contract. It is, That is dumb. Why would you do that? Uh, It was probably the only way to land him. The deal includes a $14.88 million signing bonus, and the deal comes with a fifth-year option. I mean, it sounds like most of the deal is coming through a signing bonus, and that's how he got a fully guaranteed contract. Yeah. It's dumb. (laughs) The Texans are signing Jeff Driscoll to a one-year deal worth up to $2.5 million. Sounds pretty low. I don't know if this guy's never played in the league before or if he's just not worth that much. Name doesn't ring a bell. I didn't see his contract, so I didn't attach anything to it. I mean, it just looks like the Texans are trying to acquire as many quarterbacks as they can at the moment in order to deal with that stuff that's going on. So they're probably going to have him try to try out for the position during camp or something. And the one that I think is the big one that you have, the Jacksonville Jaguars have signed tight end Tim Tebow for a one-year $920,000 minimum deal. Tebow has not played in a regular season game since 2012. Yeah. Very many years ago. The pay seems to be a sign that he's going to have to fight to make the team because, like, I know this person's name outside of paying attention to football. Like, I've heard the name before. So, to me, that means that they were a big deal at one point in time. As a quarterback. And so... To me, the nine years away, the less than a million dollars on his contract, I feel like they think he's going to not have it or not make it like as one of their top starters. The Tim Tebow story is very, very interesting and long. So obviously, like the last time he played in the NFL was in 2012. But for a long time, I think it was about like three or four years, he was part of the Mets minor league organization system for baseball. And at one point, he was like one tier away from playing for the Mets. Okay. And then the Mets got good and they didn't need him. And so he left. He was like, well, if I'm never going to get a chance at this, it's like it, it always seems like it's kind of publicity stunty. A little bit, like whatever he does. For the team or for himself? Both. Okay. It's kind of like keeping himself relevant. Like, for a while he did college football, like, I don't know, halftime shows to, like, talk about the game and how it's going, that kind of stuff, like, correspondence-type stuff. But it was, like, hey, you're just a weird dude, firstly, like, period. He's just strange. He, he? He's just awkward. I don't know. I guess that's the best way to describe it. I'm awkward. Does that make me a weird dude? No, it doesn't. <laughs> but he he did okay when he was in the NFL, but like to come back and play a complete different position that you haven't played since you were in high school, it's like could he have been spending the past few years working at that position like in home practices or practices with professionals? Nobody really knows because like he's he's a big social media guy, but he does not give any information about that 
existing. So okay. I think he kept himself in like physically okay shape. But that doesn't mean you automatically need to make an NFL team. Right. Okay. And it's just, it's weird. Like you don't ever hear of players going from quarterback to something else. You know, it's usually like, okay, well, I'm going to retire. Well, I feel like the quarterback has, like, a specific, like, body type. And, like, I don't know much about football, so I could be completely wrong here. But it seems like you're going for a guy who's a little thinner, but, like, they still work on their arm muscles for the throwing. But it seems like you need a very different physicality to play on, like, the the line. Yeah. And, and, like, he's definitely put on some muscle mass since he was a quarterback. Like, they had pictures of him showing up to the first OTAs, and, and he looks like he's put on some muscle mass and maybe a little bit of weight, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, he could play tight end. We'll just see what happens. But, like, legitimately, he has not played collegiate or at the NFL level ever in any other position than quarterback. So it's just, man, like, I, I couldn't fathom being like, hey, you know what, I'm going to go play in the MLB right now, and... I'm going to play a position that I played when I was 17 years old. Like, I just, I couldn't do it. And I yeah. know that. So, albeit I'm not in anywhere near the athletic shape that he is in, but still. Do you feel like he's being given this opportunity because of, like, who he is and who is, like, what his name has stood for in the past? Yes and no. The The new head coach of the Jaguars was his head coach when he was the quarterback in Florida. So that feels a little... So there's a chance. As to maybe that's the reason. Urban Meyer really liked him when he was there, so it kind of makes sense Like that that connection might work out. We'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah. There's... It just feels like a waste of almost a million dollars in your cap space in giving this guy an opportunity. I don't know. Right. So if he doesn't make the team, does he make that money? Depends on the contract and the way it's written. Probably he's going to be guaranteed, I would imagine, at least half. But still, like... I mean, it doesn't say in the contract that it's guaranteed. It does say a minimum deal. So, yeah. like, I don't know if it's, like, minimum is in, like, they have he to spends any time with the team he makes that minimum or what. Like if he plays in so many games or something. Yeah. Speaking of quarterbacks being signed, but this time... At quarterback, Blake Bortles was signed by the Green Bay Packers. A I'm lot- sorry, who? Blake Bortles. He sounds like a Pokemon. No, definitely a quarterback. Uh, used to be the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars at one point in time, so it's kind of small world that that's the circle we're going on. But it's another signature of a quarterback in preparation for the possibility of Aaron Rodgers trying to leave the Packers. Um, I'm sure on draft day you remember the fiasco where all of a sudden everybody was not talking about who is being drafted first, but they were talking about Aaron Rodgers is unhappy and doesn't want to be here anymore. Is he a player who does that frequently? No, it's the first time he's actually ever done it. Oh. The The dilemma is it seems every year the Packers go out and draft defensive players early on in the rounds. And like basically they expect him to be like a Tom Brady where like you could slot any semi-decent receiver or a tight end into the role and he's going to make them look like Great players. And that's all well and good, but, like, he plays in the NFC North. If you don't give him weapons to throw to or hand the ball off to to run the ball, he's going to get beat up. And for years, he's been beat up. So, like, I don't know. It. I, I understand his argument behind it. Like, they gave him a good O-line, but they've given him nobody to pass the ball to that's really, like, great. Like, Jordy was good, Jordy Nelson, for a little bit, but he, again, wasn't, like, I wouldn't have gone out and been like, yeah, Jordy Nelson's my number one wide receiver. Like, on any team. He's a good wide receiver, but he's not that. And so I feel kind of bad for him a little bit. 
they're not building around him like they used to build around Brett Favre, and I think that's where he's really kind of hurt. Uh, as well, they did draft a quarterback in the first round with like the 12th pick the year before, so without even talking to him. Like, just, oh yeah, we're going to go out and get this quarterback. That's definitely your replacement. Well, you know how I feel about having to talk to people about decisions you make as I think GMs and coaches. I think as a franchise quarterback, it's just a respect thing. You could just be like, hey, you know what? Two, three years down the line, this is the guy that we think is going to be our franchise quarterback. If you decide to leave, we're just investing in that decision. I think for that matter, he would have been like, okay, cool. But the fact of the matter is they just were like, we drafted a quarterback. And he's like, what? Nobody even mentioned a thing to me about this. So I kind of feel his pain a little bit. Um, But also the Denver Broncos signed another offensive lineman from the Chicago Bears uh, previous roster last year, Bobby Massey, to a one-year $4 million contract. That was the other offensive lineman that left. So it's going to be interesting because we drafted a couple O-linemen this year in the draft, and there's going to be some new faces protecting our starting quarterback, whoever it might be. But in the COVID news of the NFL, because there is a little bit, Colts players and ownership have come to agree that they will uh, come in for two weeks of team activities as long as the remaining off-season programs are canceled. They're basically doing it to just keep the risk of COVID being spread amongst the roster to just the shorter amount of weeks for the preseason. But also, the NFL came out and announced this week that fully vaccinated staff and players no longer need to wear masks at team facilities and or practices. I guess that's a motivation for some of the players and staff members to get vaccinated. The Washington football team owner, Dan Snyder, has announced that he will be building a new stadium for the Washington football team. How about you build a real football name, and then you can go from there? (laughs) They're expecting the stadium to be completed for the franchise by the year 2027. Uh, They're actively touring stadiums in Europe for, like, sports stadiums and in the United States for newer stadiums to see, like, what things and technology they can bring to the new stadium to make it better for the fans and the players for safety reasons, so. They're using company money to go on vacations. That's what I just heard. Basically, yeah. But they'll be touring the newer stadiums uh, during this next year. The team will also be updating the playing surface for the first time since 1997. Good for them. Uh, yeah, it, it's been known to be one of the worst stadiums to play in because the field quality is just garbage. A lot of people's careers have ended there due to torn ACLs and MCLs just Yikes. because of the field quality. So it's maybe like 20 plus years late, like we'll call it what it is. So, But in the funny news of the NFL, Detroit Lions new head coach Dan Campbell, who was originally in his entry interview noted for biting the kneecaps of the offensive linemen to tackle quarterbacks. Literally something he said in his welcoming interview to the role as the new head coach of the Lions. He bites people? No, he wants his players to be so aggressive, it's like they're biting the kneecaps of the offensive linemen is what he was trying to say. Okay. But this week he was being interviewed on Pardon My Take on ESPN. During the interview, he was found stating that he would like a pet lion to have at practice. To bite people? And in the coaching facilities to motivate his players. And then they took him directly to get some sort of mental health evaluation? I I don't know, man. Like, this guy is just so weird. Like, he's so strange. And he said even including the possibility of having the lion roar at his kickers while they're trying to kick during practice for field goals. And I'm like... Can we pipe that in instead? Like a lion noise? Yeah. I don't know that I have that on the soundboard yet, but... I meant for his practices, not the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. The guy is just... He's kooky. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He stated that he had a conversation with 
the head of player development and wanted to include that as part of his billing that he was going to build to the department. I don't know. Like, it's just craziness. No. It, it's weird. No. I, I've i made the decision. No, you cannot expend your lion, <laughs> sir. He's not an expense you can put on the account. When I read this article, and I actually watched snippets of this part in my uh, take interview, and I just, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Like, I, at first I was like, there's no way he said that. And so I watched the interview all the way through, and he's adamant, like, about having a lion at the practice facilities and inside the uh, team offices. I'm like, that is absolute insanity. Moving on to the MLB. We can actually start with the COVID news because 14 MLB teams have reached the 85% vaccinated mark, which now means that the MLB is allowing some teams to start relaxing COVID protocols. I would say wait till you get another 15%, but I don't make those decisions. Well, especially considering the Yankees while we were gone had 12 players test positive across that period of time for COVID-19. So what were they doing? I don't know. Kissing in the locker room, as you like to say. That is what I like to say. In player health, we have Mike Soroka, who will undergo exploratory surgery on his right Achilles tendon following an MRI. The surgery will be performed by Dr. Robert Anderson in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Soroka's return to the team post-surgery is still unknown. They have no timeline, probably because they don't know what's wrong and how to fix it, because that's what exploratory surgery is for. To find the problem and fix the problem. Then you had Angels outfielder Mike Trout, who has been placed on the 10-day IL with a grade 2 calf strain. He could end up missing 6 to 8 weeks total. It's been updated. He is missing 6 to 8 weeks based on the calf strain. So That's rough. Yeah. Must have been pretty severe after they figured out what was actually wrong with it. Yeah. And the Phillies have placed catcher JT Romudo. Yeah. It was Okay. On the 10-day IL due to a left-hand contusion with a retroactive placement date of May 18th. Yeah. Also this week, we had the Yankee center fielder Aaron Hicks. He'll be out several months after he has surgery to repair a torn tendon sheath in his left wrist. I don't know what a tendon sheath is in the left wrist, but that doesn't sound good. Like, anything with the wrist is not fun. Yeah. Especially as a baseball player. As well this week, Baltimore Orioles first baseman slash DH, Chris Davis, opts into having season-ending hip surgery to repair the labrum in his left hip. There have been a few of those. Labrum injuries, yeah. yeah. A couple of them this year. We also had some people behaving badly, like we always do in all the sports. Minnesota Twins reliever Tyler Duffy has received a three-game suspension and an undisclosed fine for intentionally throwing a pitch behind Yerman Mercedes. Yeah. Of the Chicago White Sox during the top of the seventh inning of Tuesday night's game at Target Field. In addition, Twins manager Rocco Baldelli. Rocco Baldelli. That's yeah. the guy. Has received a one-game suspension and an undisclosed fine as a result of Duffy's actions. Rocco Baldelli, in the post-game press conference, used some words that we can't use on the podcast relating Maybe to... don't let your player do that. Well, so... I purposely did not add this in my notes because I knew I was going to ramble on about it. But there's some reasons that he threw behind him, and I understand it. Like, there's, there's like, unwritten rules in the game of baseball. One of them being that if you're already obliterating a team, there is sportsmanship level where it's, like, just lay off the gas a little bit and 
the night before this game, Yerman Mercedes had the catcher throwing pitches because they were getting beaten down so bad, the Twins. And on a 3-0 count, which is, in the game of baseball, is an automatic take. You know, it's like the pitcher can't get the ball anywhere near the plate. You don't swing at the next pitch. You just let him prove that he can get it there. Mm-hmm. Um, the pitcher slash was the catcher throwing the pitch, like just lobbed a ball in there. Like it, it was going maybe 50 miles an hour, like 55 miles an hour. And it just kind of lobbed in and your Mercedes took it yard, like just blasted the ball out of the park. And imme- so it's a retaliation thing. Kind for something of something he had done previous. Yeah. For not being like having good sportsmanship. And, and so like, I don't I, think it's good sportsmanship to possibly hurt someone. I well, think that's worse. He didn't try to hit him. He threw it behind him. It was more, it's more of like a, a middle finger than it is like, I'm trying to hurt you. But that doesn't mean he couldn't have hurt him. Well, he could have, but again, it was pretty intentional. If you saw the video, you you wouldn't think that he was trying to hurt the guy at all. And so, like, it was more of like, you're a jerk. Like, this is what you get. And, like, even our head coach came out to say what Yerman Mercedes did was classless to an extent. Just because it's like, that team was losing the game. It was the eighth inning. Like, you guys were up by, like, a dozen runs. So, it's like, just... Cut the guy some slack. Like, there's no reason for you to go yard on 3-0. And and the 3-0 thing, the unwritten rule, has kind of been put into question a lot lately. Like, Fernando Tatis Jr. of the Padres got crap for it last year because he swung and hit a home run on a 3-0 pitch. But it's just like, I, I get it and I don't get it. Like, these guys are there, A, to entertain fans. Like, that is their job. They are partially entertainers. They're there to play a sport and win the game. So, like, you can't expect the guy to not try to hit a home run, like, when the opportunity presents itself. So, like, the unwritten rules are there more as, like, a sportsmanship kind of thing. And, and like, baseball is slowly going away from that. Like, you're starting to see bat flips. Bat flips, you, you could get thrown out of a game for throwing the bat towards your own dugout after hitting a home run. Now you can't. So, it's, like, a lot of the unwritten rules that, like, I grew up with don't exist they're slowly fading into the darkness and honestly let some of them like the bat flip thing gets fans pumped up. It, it's an entertainment business technically to some extent sports. So it's like, why take away something that's really not hurting anybody? You know, I don't know. It's just a weird thing. Again, this is why I didn't put it in my notes because rambles. Okay. ESPN and the MLB have announced a seven year contract extension that will see the network carry 30 regular season games per year and also some wild card games, apparently. The deal is set to run through 2028. Cool. More baseball on TV. Nothing wrong with that. There's everything wrong with that. ESPN Films will produce a multi part documentary series on Derek Jeter called The Captain. The series will premiere on ESPN and ESPN Plus in 2022 and will be directed by Emmy winner Randy Wilkins and executive produced by Spike Lee. Should be good. It's it's going to be a series similar to like the last dance thing that they did with Michael Jordan. Yeah. And Jeter was elected to the National Baseball Hall of Fame in 2020 and he'll be presented whatever later this year. Yep. Uh, staying kind of on the Yankees subject because Derek Jeter. The White Sox versus Yankees game became the first game this week since 1900 where both pitchers had 10-plus strikeouts without giving up a single run or walk. So that was just a pitcher's duel of a game. Uh, the pitchers that were involved with it were Carlos Rodon and Jordan Montgomery. 
So kudos to those two guys doing something that literally hasn't been done since practically baseball started. Also this week, Yankees pitcher Corey Kluber throw a no-hitter against the Texas Rangers. The last Yankees pitcher to throw a no-hitter was David Cohn against the Montreal. And I was going to ask you what the team name was because I know this is one that you may know. like Blue Jays. No, that's Toronto. <laughs> the other Canadian team at one point in time. Sabres. No. <laughs> Fleur de Lis. <laughs> yes, no, it's it was the Montreal Expos. Yeah, that's dumb. Yeah, I don't know why I would know that. I don't know. I was just trying to have you guessed. And also, this week, the Detroit Tigers pitcher Spencer Turnbull uh, became the fifth pitcher to throw a no hitter this season. He threw it against the Seattle Mariners. Uh, the Tigers' last no hitter was thrown by Justin Verlander in 2011. Justin Verlander had two no hitters that season, so it was the second one that was the most recent. But six no hitters already. You kind of understand why people are like, wow, there's a lot of no-hitters going on. Well, yeah, and I saw a lot of articles where people are talking about how they need to make fundamental changes in baseball to prevent having so many no-hitters. I'm like, maybe guys need to go to practice more. Yeah, become better batters. Don't ruin this for pitchers. Like, yeah. I, I feel like pitchers are working really hard to get the no-hitters, and then, yeah, I don't know. I, agree. I don't know much about baseball. Baseball is probably my least favorite sport, but I don't agree with changing the rules because you don't like how many no-hitters are happening this season. Because somebody's outperforming you in the job that you're supposed to do on the other side of the job, which is hit the ball. So, yeah, I can agree with that. While we were gone as well, the MLB gave permission to the Athletics to seek out a new location for their franchise. The ownership of the Athletics and their board met with the city of Las Vegas this past week. Uh, to try to work out a deal to move the Oakland Athletics to Las Vegas, following in the footsteps of a lot of sports organizations, it seems, lately. Would they have the same name? More than likely, but they wouldn't be Oakland Athletics. They'd be the Las Vegas Athletics. I don't know how many people in Las Vegas are that athletic. It's the middle of the desert. Who knows? We also had Albert Pujols cut by the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, or the Los Angeles Angels as they're going by now. The LAA. Yep. He was cut two Thursdays ago, but was signed this week by the Dodgers. The Angels were required to pay out his $30 million that remaining on his contract to cut him. The Dodgers will be paying him the league minimum the remainder of the season, which is $570,050. Kind of a weird, just not, why not just round it off at the $570,000 instead of like, and 50 bucks. In the NBA, I only have one injury, and it's kind of a weird one. It didn't have a whole lot of information to it. The Atlanta Hawks backup guard Brandon Goodwin is set to miss the NBA playoffs after being diagnosed with a respiratory condition. Well, I remember us talking about him literally like two weeks ago about an injury with like his like sprained ankle or something along those lines. So this that's has nothing weird. to do with that. I know, but it's weird though that like he just keeps coming up. In the injury news. It's weird that he's got a respiratory issue, but they're not saying it's something that he can never play again or anything like that. They're they just, just have saying, to figure out how to balance it. I guess. Because they're talking about him coming back, and I'm like, okay. But as someone who's had respiratory issues, like I, I couldn't play basketball. Right. I had one other injury. Um, Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics is expected to be out three months after his successful Reconstructive wrist surgery. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what the injury was, but still. Like, when you have to have your wrist reconstructed in some way, as a basketball player, kind of like baseball, I feel like that's just not... For that matter, all athletes kind of need your hands for most sports. 
Yeah. So. But we also have the NBA in the playoffs. They just started last night as of when we're recording. So I guess I get to go through and say who's doing what. The Utah Jazz are set to play the Memphis Grizzlies, and that game starts tonight. That series starts tonight. You have the LA Clippers playing the Dallas Mavericks, and that'll start... That started yesterday. Dallas currently leads 1-0 in that series. The Denver Golden Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers. The Golden Nuggets? Golden Nuggets? Aren't they the Golden Nuggets? No, they're just the Denver Nuggets. Where did I get golden? I have no idea. You think of the Golden Knights, I guess, but that's definitely not even the same city, but I'm impressed. The Denver Nuggets... And the Portland Trailblazers have started their series. Portland leads 1-0. It seems like in the West there were just upsets with the seeding because, like, the Mavs are the fifth seed and the Blazers are the sixth seed, so, like, they shouldn't be winning these games by seeding rules anyways. I mean, Dallas is only playing the fourth seed, so yeah, I feel like it's, it's not that big of an upset. Yeah. You have the Phoenix Suns and the LA Lakers who start tonight in their series. And then on the other coast... You've got the Philadelphia 76ers. 76ers? 76ers. The 70ers. Their series will start tonight with the Washington Wizards. Yep. And then you've got the New York Knicks and Atlanta Hawks. You remember what the Knicks' long name is? Knickerbockers. There you go. Yes. Yes. Their series also starts tonight. Then you have the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat series that started yesterday. Miami is leading. Nope. Milwaukee is leading one to zero. Yep. All those M names just trying to jack you up. Dag nabbit. Yep. And then you have the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics who started last night and the Nets are currently leading the series one to zero. What's crazy about that game is at one point the Celtics were leading by 12 points. And they just fell apart. As you know, that's not very many points in basketball. They, they fell apart, so yeah. It clearly wasn't. I'd like to not have to say any more names, because I apparently messed that up real bad. <laughs> it's cute, though. I'm going to get... I know that you messed up the 76ers one on purpose, because it's Philadelphia. So the 70 sticker, 70 stickers, I'm going to get you like a shirt that just says the, the Philadelphia 70 stickers. It'll be like pictures of a bunch of stickers all over the shirt or something. How about we don't do that because it's Philadelphia. Yeah. But speaking of the 76 stickers, <laughs> Dwight Howard was suspended one game without pay by the NBA for picking up his 16th technical foul of the season while we were gone. There you go. That's something to be proud of. A player or coach is automatically suspended without pay for one game once he accumulates 16 tentacles during the regular season, for every two additional tentacles during the regular season, a one-game suspension without pay follows. I feel like the fact that the magic number is 16 is, like, crazy. That feels like a lot. Yeah. That's that's basically the consideration of almost not... Well, after two of them, it's a game misconduct, so it would be, like, a major penalty in hockey. So, like, it's it's not something you want. No. Yeah. I guess the better comparison would be like a yellow card. Like, because if you catch a second one, you're out of the game. Hall of Fame broadcaster Marv Albert is set to retire following his call of the TNT's exclusive coverage of the 2021 NBA Eastern Conference Finals. He has called games for more than half a century, 
which includes 25 NBA All-Star Games, 13 NBA Finals, and the Dream Team during the 1992 Olympics. He's done some cool stuff, to say the least. I don't know who the Dream Team is, but they sound great. Ugh, that hurts my soul. I was three years old in 1992. I know who the Dream Team is, and I was the same age as you at (laughs) three years old in 1992. Technically, you were slightly younger. Yes, that's my point. But you're also a sports fan. So you should know some of if the you, If you had to take a guess, just one player, who do you think was on the Dream Team in 1992? I'm going to be wrong, but Michael Jordan. No, you're right. <laughs> Jesus. Like, that's why I'm like, how do you not know who the Dream Team is? But that's fine. We'll leave it be at that. I don't want to push my luck and try to have you guess the second one. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I'm going to have to look up the roster just so I know now. Check the roster. I'm going to come up with another name. Okay. If I'm wrong, though, because the person I'm thinking of is dead. If I'm wrong, <laughs> you're I'm probably die. wrong. If the person you're thinking of is dead. Okay, so I'm gonna go with a different name than this <laughs> dead person. Okay. Okay, go ahead. It's not LeBron. No, it's not. LeBron it's, was still in diapers in '92. It's not Kobe. It, no, it's not Kobe. It's the other guy. Is it Rodman? I don't think Rodman was there. He was part of the same team. There is a player that was on the Bulls with Michael Jordan that was on the team, but it was not Rodman. Is it the other guy who had to be brought up in that game on that television show we watched? Yes. I don't know who that is. Scottie Pippen. Yes. There you go. It's in there somewhere. There you go. Other big names like John Stockton, Patrick Ewing, uh, Carl Malone. Charles Barkley, Magic Johnson. Charles Barkley sounds familiar. Yeah, he's a commentator for most NBA games now. Is he in a commercial on yes, NBA right now? Okay. It's the Geico commercial where they pick him in the game of basketball with like the six and seven year olds or whatever. Yeah, okay. He goes, that's right, first pick. Talking trash to children. It's Charles Barkley, yeah. I also would talk trash. Like David Robinson, uh, the list goes on. It was an amazing team, to say the least. Totally not the point. Yeah. But we got some education in today. The Phoenix Suns head coach, Monty Williams, is the 2021 recipient of the Michael H. Goldberg NBCA Coach of the Year Award. Try to say that five times fast. No. (laughs) The award recognizes the dedication, commitment, and hard work of NBA head coaches. Also this week, since there was no Hall of Fame induction last year due to COVID reasons in 2020, the... Basketball Hall of Fame hosted their 2020 inductions while my mom was in town. So we yes. didn't get to watch the main thing. We had to watch replays of it. But whew, talk about a tearjerker night. Like, it was it was rough. Uh, Michael Jordan did the introduction for Kobe Bryant's induction into the Hall of Fame. And his wife accepted, gave the acceptance speech. His daughter, Kobe's daughter, was wearing his... Hall of Fame jacket during that speech, and it was just like, oh. Yeah. Like, I'll be honest, grown man, and I cried like a little child. It was very touching, very deep. Every Hall of Fame inductee had some memory that they shared about Kobe Bryant when they were giving their acceptance speeches. So it was just, it was a tough night, I feel like, for everyone. But it included as well Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett, who are, two other phenomenal players that I grew up watching alongside Kobe Bryant. So it's good to see some unbelievable players having to go in at the same time. Like 
if you had to be inducted in a year, it's not a bad year to be inducted into the Hall of Fame because you're going with guys that are phenomenal yeah. to go into the group with. So, And then the next day, the NBA announced their Basketball Hall of Fame's 2021 induction lists because it's that time of the year. That list included Rick Edelman. He's the third winningest coach in NBA history. You have Bill Russell. He was the first African-American head coach in the sport of NBA. Um, you have Chris Bosh, Paul Pierce, Ben Wallace, and Chris Weber, and Jay Wright. All were either collegiate or very dominant NBA players. And then you had two women drafted in from the WNBA into the Basketball Hall of Fame, Yolanda Griffith and Lauren Jackson. It was a, another star-studded list of players and or coaching staff. So. Yeah. And then I think this is my last bit of NBA news. I don't know if you have any more after this. But the NBA announced the creation of the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Social Justice Award this week. The award will be given to the player that actively pursues social justice and upholds the league's decades-long values of equality, respect, and inclusion. I love how they say that, but really, though, the NBA has only been caring truly about that subject for, like, maybe 10 years? A decade? Not decades. You gotta allow people to grow and change. Right. The last bit of actual NBA news that I have is that the Atlanta Hawks head coach Nate McMillan has been fined $25,000 for detrimental public comment asserting bias by the NBA relating to the 2021 playoffs. I didn't hear it, so I don't know what it was, but I'm sure it was tasty if they gave him that big of a fine. Well, that's a decent-sized fine. Yeah. And, like, part of me wants to say, let him speak, but then part of me is like, you can't just go around asserting this sort of stuff. You're going to cause people all sorts of panic and unrest about how that stuff happens. And that's definitely never the goal, to cause unrest in an organization. But Well... The question of every sports episode is... Do you have MLS news? Do you news? have MLS news? I was ready for it, but you jumped the gun on me a little Are bit. Are you ready for it? Do you have MLS news? I do not have MLS news. Same answer as always. Yeah. The MLS champions Columbus has reached an agreement with their supporters to walk back some of the more controversial aspects of its recent rebrand, including adding the word crew... Back to the team's official name and logo. Boy, that lasted a really long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Less than two weeks. Yeah. I, I kind of figured that was coming because yeah. their fans are some of the most loyal MLS fans in I feel like that's not all of the ML. No, it's pretty complicated, believe it or not. There are real big fan followings of certain teams, and they're one of them. Um, I would say, like, the Portland Timbers, the uh, Seattle team, and I'm blanking on their name right now, the Sounders. LA Galaxy, we saw the LAFC fans, they're nuts. Like, firsthand, they're crazy. That was only their second season. Could you imagine, like, that kind of fan base in a second season for a sports team? It was nuts being in that stadium, so. Members of the front office met with representatives of various crew supporter groups. The two sides quickly reached an agreement that when it came to the rebrand, the Columbus organization moved too quickly and without enough input from the team's most passionate fans. No kidding. The result was a return to the team's original name of the Columbus crew, as well as changes to the logo. Shocked, not shocked. Right. Yeah. And New York City FC has signed promising Brazilian teenager Tals Magno from Vasco da Gama. 
NYCFC said on Wednesday that the 18-year-old winger has signed a contract through the 26th season. It's Portuguese, probably, so... I did what I could. Yeah. This week, FC Dallas and Bayern Munich were in conversation to make Justin Che's move permanent. We'll see I if that works. I didn't include that because technically he wouldn't be on the Bayern München team. He'd be on the Bayern 2 team. Yeah. Which is, as I understand it, like a lower tier. Yeah. But it would get him time with the same trainers and... Right. Staff. And staff, which would greatly aid in his growth, I would imagine. Right. To say the least. They're working on it. They haven't come to an official deal yet. Right. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, FC Dallas doing big things over here with my boys. Yeah. It would be, I think, like the fourth or fifth player in the last two years that has made the move to Bayern Munich's rosters from FC Dallas. So pretty good partnership there. But in other soccer news, today's pretty much the wrap-up day for most of the main leagues. You have the English Premier League finishing today. Yesterday, you had... The Bundesliga finishing off their season. Two days before that, you had the Italian League finish theirs. So it's pretty much wrapped up at this point. In the news of the Bundesliga, I will stay on the subject of Bayern Munich at least a little bit. Because this week, with one minute left, the 89th minute, Robert Lewandowski broke Gerd Müller's single-season goal-scored record. And... I can honestly say after watching the highlights, it's not because he didn't try. (laughs) Like, holy crap. Like, whoever the goalie was for Augsburg, give that man a raise. Yeah. Like, legit, like, he stole. Like, multiple times they're like, oh, here comes Lewandowski. It's a goal-scoring opportunity. And nothing happened because the goalie made a great save. And it's just like, even the players on the field were just ready to celebrate. You could tell, like, literally the entire game. Everybody was like, every time Lewandowski touched the ball, everybody was like, oh. They all held their breath, and then nothing happened, and it was kind of disappointing. But Lewandowski did set the record, scored in the 89th minute. There was no chance for the goalie on that one. Like, he just didn't have the opportunity at all. So, congratulations. It's quite the feat. I'm really sad that the sports world in the United States, for the most part, completely ignored what you did. Uh, sports Center didn't even put it in top plays, didn't do anything for it. So, haters well, going to hate, you know. Soccer is not that big here in the U.S. I would agree with you, except... Compared to other countries. I would agree with you, except for collegiate soccer, the day after it had happened, which would be the day that it would make the top 10 plays, made the highlights, and the goal wasn't even that great. So it's like, uh, like college soccer is okay, but not an actual record-breaking goal. Because it's international, probably. All I'm going to say, ESPN's going to hate just like they hated on hockey until they could get a new contract, right? The record's been in place, though, since Gerd Muller set the record with 40 goals in 1971-72 season. So it's been around for a minute. In other Bundesliga news, uh, Werder Bremen was relegated for the first time in 40 years of being in first-tier German soccer. Uh, They're headed to a place they are very not familiar with. Obviously, Schalke will be joining them. They were pretty much wrapped up for that about... I don't know, a month ago, roughly, to relegation. Uh, They finished the season with only three wins for Schalke, seven losses, or sorry, seven draws, and 24 losses. Rough year for Schalke. Uh, FC Cone, on the last day, won the game that allowed them to qualify for a relegation playoff rather than being relegated with Werder Bremen. Kudos to them. Just squeak it out. They still have to 
technically win a game to stay in Tier 1. So we'll see how that goes for them in the upcoming weeks. But um, within the next two weeks, we should be able to talk about who the new teams are that are coming up from Tier 2 Bundesliga to Tier 1 Bundesliga. See who the newbies are. The teams that did well this year coming up, obviously Union Berlin finished top 10 after coming up from League 2, which is pretty crazy. They finished in 7th place. Um, Bayern Munich ended up winning it all. The ninth straight year. You're welcome. Going for 10. It will allow us to be adding, actually, because it's the 30th time we've won the Bundesliga title, a fifth star to our jersey next season. That's exciting. Is it, though? It is. It is for fans that, you know, are of Bayern Munich relation, I guess. I don't know. I was looking for a better word, but my brain didn't come up with one. For Bayern Munich fans, it is exciting. Red Bull Leipzig finished in second place. Dortmund finished in third. They won out their last five games in order to make sure they stayed in a Champions League spot. So congratulations to that. Fourth place, Wolfsburg qualified for a Champions League spot. And then you have the champion, or sorry, the Europa group stage qualifiers with Frankfurt and Leverskin for the Bundesliga representation. So hooray. The leagues wrapped up today for the Premier League as well. Man City obviously clinched the title about two weeks ago, so that hasn't changed. They're obviously going to be in first place. Manchester United finished strongly in second place with 74 points. Liverpool in third with 69 points. So the champion, defending champions pushed their way up a little bit towards the end because at one point they were in like sixth. They weren't even in a Champions League or Europa League spot, so... Uh, they won out to do that, so kudos to them for that, I guess. Chelsea finished in fourth. Leicester City in fifth. So the top four teams will have Champions League spots. Leicester City qualified for a Europa League spot. But Newcastle United, whew, tell you what, won three of our last five games to move up to 12th place from 18th. Kept us out of relegation, moved us into like the middle of the group. Which yeah, that was surprising considering you spent most of the season worrying about relegation. We were on the cusp of relegation all year long. Yeah. A couple times we were actually in relegation spots. So it's like, ooh. Um, but to finish in 12th makes me feel a little better about the situation. Yeah. Uh, the teams being relegated this year from the Premier League will be Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield United. So there's that. Yeah. But... I think that's pretty much all the sports news for the day. Thank goodness this was a long one. Yeah, definitely a longer episode. We appreciate you guys giving us your time to listen to this long episode. Make sure you guys check out all our social media, which will be linked in the show notes. And we'll catch you guys on Thursday for a book episode. Which is what I know you all are really wanting. We'll catch you then, guys. Bye. Bye, guys.